Hey, what's up? It's Mr. Bill. The track you're listening to right now is the result of a 35-hour tutorial series where I recorded the process of making this song from start to finish and explained myself along the way. If you're interested in learning how to make music or sharpening your craft, go to mrbillstunes.com and check it out. Enjoy the tune. listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. sick well thanks for thanks for doing the podcast i was almost gonna like cancel and reschedule because i was like i'm like was really into working on a tune right now but then i was like that's why i deleted all those messages in whatsapp i was like ah fuck it let's do it (laughs) (laughs) how's it going are you still uh, working on your album yeah i am it's uh it's like probably like 90 percent done i'm just going through like the last sort of 10 percent like tidying things up right now but i feel like that last 10 percent the hardest it's, it, it's more like the yeah it's more it's more like the first 90 percent is actually 50 percent of the work and the last 10 percent is like another 50 percent of the that work is it feels like so true and it makes you want to kill yourself every time you get to that last 10 percent it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's the hardest part yeah you just have like an existential crisis like fuck am i making this better or worse or what the fuck <laughs> yeah i think you just go like numb in a way you like you have no idea what's going on you've been working on the same thing for so long and it's just like you know the beginning is a lot of fun because yeah. like you explore and you find like a new um you know like new colors and a new color color scheme to like you know color scheme that made you want to work on an album to begin with and then it gets to a point where you're like, does it sound good? Is it good enough? Do I need to make it shorter? Do I need to make it longer? Can I play it? Can I not play it? There's so many elements that comes into into the pictures. It's just like the, all, the whole artistic uh, vibe is just like gone. And it's just like, how do I make this work without wanting to shoot myself in the head? <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the playing side is like, fine, I'll play anything. You know, like in a DJ set, you can make anything work, I think. Um, you just got to like contextualize it around the the right things. And plus it only happens once. And like after that, it's done. But with a um, with an album, it's like you're, when you're putting something out there, like basically permanently, yeah. you want it to be like just right. Whereas I don't know, I feel like you can take risks in a set more so than you can. But with Psytrance, maybe not. Because I mean, like if I'm playing a whip in a, in a set, I'll play it for like, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. Whereas Psytrance, if you're playing a whip, you play it for like five minutes. Minimum. Yeah, Minimum. so that's like a, a solid chunk of your set that that like could be good or could be shit. I think it depends because when you usually play sets, how long are they? Like a, a, an hour or? Yeah, usually one hour, yeah. So yeah, for us, one hour is like, I start having fun. Like I get into the zone after roughly 40 minutes minimum. Like Damn, up until yeah. 40 minutes, I'm just like, I'm getting warmed up. I'm feeling the crowd. I'm like trying to understand where I'm taking this and like what's the energy like. And it's usually like, minimum an hour and a half like i cannot deal with one hour because it's like you know the music is like so long every track is like minimum six minutes and and like it can get up to like 10 or like 11 minutes sometimes so it's just it's a different it's a different vibe than than playing um bass music in a way 
Yeah, so so when you play like a track, right? Usually you write the track to sort of start chill and then it gets more and more and more intense over time. That's kind of like how I feel like most music works. Um, mm -hmm. So is your set basically like, you know, five to 10 minutes of up and then start again and then five to 10 minutes of up and then start again? And is that kind of the flow? It, it really depends on the vibe. Like I find myself uh, playing completely, completely different sets uh, based on where I am. You know, like I can, let's say now I just played in Tel Aviv for three hours in, in, in like a basement. Everyone, everyone was sweating and like, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was like playing um, melodic music for that matter, you know what I mean? So it was like I went full techno and then it was like basically keep the vibe going like this, you know, you know what I mean? When, when I play a festival, I would want to like start very slowly and I would want to like draw people in and like always make sure that I'm telling part of like a bigger story, a bigger picture. As, and like when I compare it to like playing clubs, when I play clubs, I usually like, how do I make the next record work? Not what's gonna happen in like 30 minutes or like an hour, which is exactly what I think about when I'm in a festival um, setting. So it completely varies on, on the place that I am at the moment and the type of crowd that is in front of me, like whether it's crowd that has patience and that is actually, you know, like, using psychedelics, for instance, and then it's easier for me to like come across as like someone who wants to tell a story. But if you're in front of like 17, 18, 19 year old kids who just want to have fun, all you want to do is like think of the next record that's going to make this whole thing work in a way. Um, so it really varies and depends on, on the, the setting. I think when you usually play, you usually play for like um, a crowd that you know, I mean, like you play festivals that are usually based with like music that you play around with and like you play with these people and do uh, you find yourself playing in front of like 16 year olds and then the next day playing a festival for 30 How does um, it work for you? Never 16 year olds, but um, like some depends on the festival or the crowd, but yeah, sometimes it's like slightly younger, slightly older, but I never really factor that in too much because I assume um, like if I choose to play the show, Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to play it mostly because I know that like my fans want me to play there or I'm opening for somebody else who has a similar style to me and I'm playing like right before them or two two sets before them at their own big show or something like for instance Ganja White Night like I opened for them at Red Rock so I so my goal there was basically to like win over some of their fans so I would like obviously play my own music but like try to gear it more into the style of like what I think their fans would like so that's kind of like the two types of sets I'll play but I don't I don't think I ever find myself um <clears throat> playing to like a club where the club just has people that go to the club and nobody knows who I am like I don't, I don't no, no, no. I, I completely meant on like even that club that I was referring to I was headlining that night but for me I can I can like you know take it really easy on myself and like play the stuff that I know that's gonna work but I like to take myself to the edge and like play stuff that are outside of my comfort zone that I would never play at a festival setting. That's what I meant. Like, I want to know how far I can push it, still remain like very uh, true to myself in like in everything I do. But I would want to stay um, very connected to the venue that I'm in. Like if it's a club at night, I feel like I can play that hard techno stuff that I like. But if I'm in a festival setting, then I'll play more melodic and more like open and like slowly evolving type of music. But it, I would never ever play a record that I don't believe in just to make the club work. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's what I mean. Do you think though that like, um, for instance, the show that you just played that was like 16, 17 year olds, but they're still your fans because you were headlining. Don't no, you think you when, could... usually, usually when I meet, six, I don't meet a lot of 16, 17 year olds. I think the minimum of what I usually meet is around 18 to 20. And that usually happens in like uh, mainstream clubs in Israel that need that, you know, like Cytrons is such a big thing in Israel that they want to have a, a Cytrons headliner to like close the, the night. Like you are basically the broom that sends people home. So <laughs> you're like you're in front of like 20 year olds who've never done anything even remotely close to psychedelics. And you're like, I'm just going to play like whatever works for me within the range of what I think that will fit them. But I would again, I would never play something that I don't believe in. I would just like play something that I feel that can connect more with whatever they need in you know from my point of view but they're still um, like if you're headlining they're still your fans and they know who you are yeah most of them yes whoever decides to stay in the party while i'm playing it's usually people who are um familiar with my work and out there to to see me play right so they should probably accept you doing whatever you want to do true you want to yeah. true true but you know sometimes like you said you're playing a show that is not directly um, focused and like zoomed on you, then it's like, then it makes sense to like wanna grab a few extra five, ten percent of the crowd and like show them what you know what you got. If I go to a, to a to a very mainstream event, and again, I choose to play only like two or three of those a year, so it's like really not something that I come across very often. But when I do, I still think of the fact that okay, there's like. 80% of the people who stayed here are fans of mine that want to hear what I have to say. 20% are like their friends that are still with them. Mm. It would be cool if they can get to know some of who I am. I don't think it's the right setting to show them like my inner thoughts all the way through. You know what I mean? Because it's mm. not a festival setting. It's not a psychedelic uh, adventure for any of us. So for me, I don't even have the tools to like work with. You know what I mean? So it has to be, it, it has to remain in a way very shallow. Yeah, I feel you. I think like if you go to a party that has a certain vibe and you refuse to like acknowledge that, it's not a good time for anybody. I learned that the hard way when I went to like a bunch of dubstep parties and played a bunch of IDM and Glitch, you know, like I'd go there and play that and I would just like, like I knew it was a dubstep party, but I just wouldn't acknowledge it. I'd be like, fuck it, I'm going to do my thing. And it's not a good time at all. So like I've had, I've had a much, much better time just leaning into playing bangers because I mean that's what people want in a club and it's funny like sometimes you get promoters they're like no 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 no, play this play your old shit play like the glitch like IDM stuff and you'll go there try a couple of tracks and people are like not into it because no one goes to a club for that shit I, I yeah, feel like it's I don't feel like everybody is going there for bangers do you feel like people are just here in it for the bangers maybe in the US it's more banger oriented but like in general well, here's I what I like think the only thing that people want to listen to so here's my theory. If I'm playing on a stage and I'm not having a good time, no one's going to have a good time. And if people aren't outwardly expressing themselves, I can't tell whether or not they're enjoying it and I start to have a bad time. So I need to do something to make people like dance and outwardly express themselves for, for me to have a good time. Because it's really hard to, like if someone's just thinking and they're just staring at you thinking, but they're having a great time in their head, it's just hard to tell. And that makes me like anxious and have a you know, weird feeling and shit. So I feel like it, it kind of all feeds into itself in that way. It's kind of funny you say that because I had a theory like 
roughly around 2016 or 17, I got to a point where I felt like people were really, um, people weren't really like artists in general when we used to play, you know, like a lot of the Cytrons scene is happening in Brazil, as you are well aware, probably. Right. And a lot of the artists back then just said like, Brazil is only a place for bangers. You need to play like all the big buildups and like the drops and the triplets and all that stuff. And in like around 2016, I started like feeling like I want to die when I got to Brazil because it was like, for me, it was do or die. I was like, I'm willing to work at McDonald's tomorrow, but I will ne I cannot play stuff that I'm not hold with like like really connected to and i got and i got to a point where i said like we need to stop downgrading like the the mental capacity or like the intelligence of the crowd and actually play the stuff that we would want to listen to on the dance floor right now and see what happens maybe it will work maybe it doesn't work but i have to try i have to give it a try and i remember the first time that i did it and then the pyrotechnics guy came to my tour manager and he was like just tell me when the drop is and I looked at him and I was like, no draw, bro. It's like a 134 straight, no buildups. We're going to go down and see what happens. And in the first couple of times, they didn't really understand what I wanted from them. But like the intelligent part of the crowd, you know, those, you know, these people that always want to be like smarter than everyone else. And like those people who you go to in order to know what music you want to listen to next and who's like the next big, big thing. These people started noticing the fact that I was moving side, you know, towards the side and like doing something else. And nowadays in Brazil, it made me a really, really big headliner because I started doing something that's completely different. And I started acknowledging the intelligence of, of the crowd. And to be honest with you, nowadays when I play a festival, if, if even if it's like really commercial, I played like last week in Brazil with like super like Steve Angelo and like super commercial stuff. And I played my shit like all the way down super deep. And some people were just like standing there and staring at me. And at first I would like agree with you on the fact that you have no idea what they're thinking and none of them were actually raving hard. But then you go back home and they start writing that it was an amazing set and they had a great time and they were in a trip and they went round and round with themselves. And for me, that even like nowadays as I grow older, it means much more to me to like um, attract their intelligent side rather than make them jump every 16 bars with a drop. Not that that's a bad thing, but for me, like, I feel like I'm over the part where I want to, like, play build-ups and drops because I've done it for so long and it just made me feel like it's a never-ending um, chase after something that someone who's younger, who, who's more connected to the 18, 19, 20-year-olds would come at some point and do it better than you because he's closer to their age and he understands their mind way better than we do. We, and what I'm trying to get to is, like, as an artist, you evolve, you always evolve. And I feel that if you feel like you've gotten to a point where you want to go deeper, then you should definitely go deeper and like just hope that people would want to go down, down that rabbit hole with you. Otherwise, I prefer that on like playing something that I don't believe in just to make the party work. Mm. I mean, I think there's a combination of the two, right? Like you can, yeah. you can play heavy stuff, make people like dance and have a good time, but also do it in like an intelligent and kind of like a well finessed way that, you know, uh, makes the, the heads also appreciate you. Exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of what I, what I've been 
trying to do these days is like make bangers but try and like do it in a way that I enjoy doing it and I feel like if I enjoy doing it then it's probably you know somewhat well finessed because I, I feel like I only like like extremely well-crafted music I feel like that but maybe I don't maybe I like extremely bad music I mean that's subjectivity in music is so crazy man like like if, if no like for instance um like millions of people like Justin Bieber right and I mean I can take or leave Justin Bieber is fine but um <clears throat> if millions of people resonate with a thing and like it that I don't resonate with it's quite possible that I'm wrong right I don't think it's a right or wrong thing. We can both look at a painting and you'll tell me you'll tell me that it's amazing and it makes you want to cry and I'll look at it and I'll be like I don't feel connected in any sort of way to it. Right, I but that's just that's just us on a personal level. If you expand that to like a global scale, if billions of people like this painting and you don't like this painting, is it possible that that painting like holds more value than another one objectively if only one person likes the other painting? Yeah, but millions of people like McDonald's, I would rather shoot myself in the head than eat McDonald's also true you know what i mean i mean in the end of the day people treat you as the shepherd when you play a set they want you to take them somewhere and i would want to take them where i believe they should be going towards you know what i mean i would not want to take them where they think they want to go mm. i'm here i'm like i'm going up on stage to tell my story whether i'm gonna touch each and every one of them i have no idea like i i i hope but even if I can touch 50% of them, but in the most like genuine way possible, then I'd rather touch 50% of them rather than trying to make each one of them love me, which is why I chose to be an underground artist in a way, you know what I mean? And, and going back to like Justin Bieber, I think he's a great musician. I think he's a great artist, but I don't, um, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think he taps in to my point of view when it comes to, how I want to play music at a party, you know what I mean? Like I have oh, yeah. that, that um, compass that is like psychedelic, deep storytelling. And, and that's what, like when I listen to music and I decide whether I want to play it or not, it has to have that compass. And if it doesn't have that storytelling, deep, psychedelic, then I'm not going to play it. It has no, like it has nothing to do with if it's Justin Bieber or someone else, you know what I mean? The genre doesn't matter. The BPM doesn't matter. It's just the energy of, of like whether I feel it and I want to and I and I I would stand behind it or I wouldn't. That's it. That's the only thing I ask myself. True. Uh, why do you think Marshmallows was such a big tune? I feel like that tune was like massive around the time it came out. I feel. Like, do you think it's the sample or do you think it's like? I think it's. The, I think it's the sample. I think it's the fact that uh, Captain Hook was really big back then and then that was like his you know breakthrough track and um and i was just like you know i i maybe i was at the right time at the right like at the right place at the right time you know man i was 21 i had no idea what i was doing to be honest like i was just like i would go with the flow i used to live with my parents back then and it was just like let's have fun you know what i mean like i remember when we finished it uh reshef uh, captain hook came up to me and he was like, listen, this track is kind of odd. It's kind of weird. I'm not sure it's going to work. I don't know if I want to release it. And I was like, you know, on my own, like I, I stood there and I was like, dude, if you don't want it, I'll take it. I think it's a great tune. I think it's a great track. And then yeah, I remember he told me he played it to his friends on the way to a party. And they said, this track is amazing. It has to be the opening track of your album. And then he went with it. And that was the opening track of his album. And I think 
something about the fact that we went out of a very melodic sort of like popish um era in the Cytron scene back then and we were going like against that and we just did something minimalistic almost techno with like a very clear sample that says something really fun you know because like if you leave ketamine aside um then it's like it's talking about marshmallows which is a nice thing and you know like you can stand and like not listen to the music at all and and just like go you may even feel like you're walking on marshmallows and it's like it's a fun thing to say and it's very catchy and it's funny you asked that because Asterix called me up like two days ago and he was like dude can you send me the sample of um of marshmallows i want to play it on my boom set i was like where did you like come up with that now after like 12 years you know what i mean it's so weird that people still want to play that in a way but for me it's just like for so long i tried to like hate myself for being part of that become because it became so big because i will never forget that I, i walked down the street and i went into a clothing store and they played the track in a loop and i went out of the store and a 14 year old was listening to marshmallows on on, on the <laughs> phone in the middle of the street and i was like what the hell is going on here and i used to get videos from like big edm artists who are playing it and like every discotheque in every country around the world people would travel and send me videos of it being played back then and for me it was like what i like we did not intend for it to become this commercial you know like we wanted to do something underground but um i think to your question i back to your question i think it was just right place right time like an anti of whatever was going on back then it was just like you know like the complete opposite of what was going on back then in the scene and it just worked you know and and then afterwards the entire citron scene just took a diversion like everything went to that sort of like vibe in a way everything started sounding like marshmallows in a lot of of color and then like i think the next phase was like vini vici who just took that and made it more musical and more catchy and and you know the rest is history but it was fun for a second to be in that place of like you know in in front of of like ahead of ahead of the curve in a way uh mm. which was nice but uh yeah man it, it's it, it's been a long time yeah i feel like uh all genres do that right like they stagnate for a while everyone does the same shit yeah and someone like skrillex comes along and makes it completely new and then it does the same shit for ages and then someone like skrillex comes along and makes it completely new again and he's done i feel like he has done that now for bass music like three or four times it's like every time he puts out a new thing that's the new thing that everyone latches onto and yeah and tries to create i have a really like you know when you're a young musician or when when you're an insecure musician i can definitely understand why you want to follow something you know what i mean which is not a bad it's, thing it's like, safe it's safer you know what i mean yeah. but for me i don't see this the, the artistic sense behind it because for me it's like i go in the studio and i try to express myself as much as i can regardless of what's going on outside i ask myself the hard questions of like what would i want to hear between the speakers not what's hot right now and that's the difference between the underground scene and the mainstream scene when you're part of like the pop scene in a way you always have to be like ahead of the curve with like what's going on right now what's hot right now what's the vibe right now and it keeps changing every five minutes and for me it, it, it felt like back then like you're chasing your own tail 
you know what i mean like and then someone like fred again comes along and you're like whoa forget everything i said so far this is the new hot thing and then you know i would rather be once one in once in like every forever once in five or ten years bring something close to whatever they're doing in a way of like being um to bring something new to the table rather than like keep it safe and do what's hot right now and like just maintain a living you know what i mean mm. yeah i i guess so i mean I think the other thing is that so many people uh, put so much of their identity into the music as in like, uh, you know, like if you if you pick on the music, then it's like you're picking on them personally. I feel like so many people identify with their own music in that way. Mm -hmm. And so they want to make something that they know nobody's going to talk shit on, you know, because if they talk shit on it, it might like damage their ego. Yeah, or, but like, that's ego. That's ego, Bill. Ego totally. has no place in art, in my opinion. It has no place in art. Like, I can tell you for a fact, knowing you for so many years, that when you used to live back in Australia and you were disconnected from society, and you were back then, you made, like, quirky, weird, out-of-the-box shit. And then when you moved to the U.S., you, you kind of, like, came across society and money and shows and status and like the us basically in a way and i feel like you've somehow managed to find the middle between what the world wants from bill and what bill wants and sometimes you go more towards that this direction and sometimes you go back to who you were back then like to your origins in a way and i feel like the magic like most of the magic was actually when you were disconnected from reality, from from society in a way, because then you you didn't think about what would people say, whether it's gonna be like even communicative in any way to like human beings. You just made it for yourself first and foremost. And and you like I would want to ask you in a way. Do you feel like your move to the U.S. actually changed the way you produce music nowadays, like the way you approach art? Yeah, 100%. But I think that it has more value if it can also connect to many people. I think something that connects to nobody has value maybe to me and maybe to you as a producer, but it doesn't have a lot of value to the world. I think like, you know, there's plenty of tracks on SoundCloud that have like 50 plays that are insanely produced and no one listens to or connects with. Um, I think work is or like music is much more powerful when it connects to a lot of people and brings a lot of people happiness. I think basically one of the only objective uh, good things in music is that it brings people happiness or like makes them feel some sort of emotion, right? Agreed. And if you if you can make a bigger wave of happiness or a bigger wave of people feeling emotions, I think that is objectively better than not. Yes, but I, I completely agree. And I get a lot of these messages of like people telling me, you know, what they went through with my music or how it helped them and like psychedelic trips that they had and like festivals and stuff. and. It's funny because the way they um, listen to the music is completely different than how I made it. Because when I made it, I just felt something on the inside and I went 100% with it. And then it came out and time went by and I already expressed what I was feeling. But then someone sits on the other side of the world and he, lis he listens or she listens to your music and she looks at it or, or he looks at it from a completely different perspective. It, it, it like makes up a story around it. He connects to it. And, and what I'm trying to say is that if the art was made to begin with from a place of like truth and depth, then it, first of all, I think it will last longer. 
Second of all, I think it will connect with more people. And third, I feel like that's what we're here to do as musicians. I feel like we're here to expre express, express ourselves in, in an artistic way for people to connect with and, and make them either happy or sad or help them go through stuff. But it, it, for me, if, if the art wasn't made from, from a genuine place, people can hear it, people can feel it, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it has, maybe it's just from my point of view, maybe you can sit at home and like scribble stuff that you think it's gonna work and it's just like it connects with everyone and it works, but for me it never worked, you know? It was it always had to come from, from a very genuine place and then, you know, you get to a point where you're, where you're like asking yourself, oh, I also wanna play it and I want it to sound good and then you start like producing it according to that and you try to like, bring through the story as much as you can bring forward the story as much as you can for people to actually understand what you're trying to say but i think truth is like the essence of art for me at least it yeah, i can never no, make something for people to connect with if i'm not feeling it totally yeah no i agree with you but the the good middle ground is if you feel it and then a lot of people feel it as well right and i feel like that's kind of the middle ground that i've tried to feel like i don't not enjoy making my music and i definitely don't sit there making it specifically so people will like it although i would, would prefer if people liked it and i know what kind of things people prefer now from like experimenting a lot um but yeah the, what you were just saying before that's why i wrote apophenia apophenia is like the masterpiece um, <clears throat> Yeah, so, so the meaning of apophenia is, and I, I made that in America in like 2018. I'd already been living in America for like four years at that point. Um, but the, the meaning behind apophenia is uh, people making unrelated connections between things. So like, you know, the, the movie 23, where Jim Carrey starts seeing the number 23 yeah, yeah. everywhere or whatever. And he's like, oh, it must mean this, it must mean that. That's, that's apophenia, right? Or like if you see like the number six and then later on you like see a car with six on the number plate and then you buy like six eggs at the store, you're like, oh my God, it must sell me something. Um, so that's what apophenia means. And the reason I called it that is because I knew people were going to do that with the music. They were going to like hear it and have their own experience with it and like make their own connections with it. Um, and I can't really control that. And that's, yeah, that's what that album was about. So... <clears throat> Yeah, I that agree album with you. is a masterpiece, by the way. I have to tell you, it's the, the that one album that I keep coming back to. Like composite number uh, four for me, it's just like I can I can listen to that track until the day I die. I feel like there's like an endless amount of art going on there. Patrick Leonard was like a fucking genius there. Mm -hmm. It's just like man, it's such a good tune and. and you know that guy, um, the guy Patrick Leonard. He produced "Like a Prayer" by Madonna no way yeah he's like a he produced like so much shit in the 80s he used oh to work with like he worked with pink floyd madonna um like all of the people around that era How he's like get to him? so i was doing a, a show um that had like a bunch of visuals and there was this dude pickles who was doing my visuals um and i just started hanging out with him a lot we were doing shows a lot he was always running my visuals and then i found out um his dad was just fucking patrick leonard oh my god <laughs> what are the odds <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? And then, like, this dude was living in Denver, but he grew up in LA, obviously. And, and um, yeah, he uh, he was just like, yeah, let's go hang out with my dad. <laughs> and I went to his house, and he's just got, like, he's super into Eurorack these days, too. And at the time, I was, like, very into Eurorack, so we, like, connected on that. And, um, yeah, and then I was just like, hey, you want to, like, play some piano over this? <laughs> 
and yeah, and you and just he played him the tune and he just played over it dude that was like one take yeah he didn't like th that was like he just jammed over it the first time and then i just took that and just left it it was fine fine it's yeah. it's like it's crazy good it's not yeah fine. that's what i mean it's like it, yeah it, you, you don't have to like adjust it at all like it's it sits in the mix like perfect it's, what what was he playing what was it was it the knob or something piano no, just piano yeah like which one steinway like or something? a like a like a grand piano like a proper piano and how did you, you record it like two microphones on the inside and like yeah just a couple of microphones yeah they, they, the mics were already on there because he's just like they're playing piano and recording it all the time so it was already mic'd i didn't have to do shit. he just like put the track in logic and then played in once and then gave me the file what a dream you know like these things you know like that's that's the beauty and like the magic of art you know what i mean like stuff can happen because i remember like when i listened to that track like it takes me back to so many places around the world where i just like sat down on my own and like listen to it back and forth and and i remember like every time i listen to it it takes me back to so many places and and for you it was just like yeah i made a track and then i sat down with patrick leonard and i recorded <laughs> him and i took it home and then that's it and it's part of my album and and it's just it's amazing how you can do something so like so on the flow and 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 then it just stays forever and it touches yeah. me all forever and that's 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 beautiful yeah he's a crazy piano like he played um he played keyboards on the michael jackson thriller tour which is like to this day the biggest tour still that has ever happened yeah. um and yeah he played keys on at every show so he, he was just like he's been playing piano his whole life he's been practicing forever and the dude's just fucking next level dude like he's just an insane insane piano player so like yeah for him like that was probably a shitty take but for me it was like perfect <laughs> yeah you know that's that's what we usually say you know what i mean it's like for 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 someone like him it's just like you know he, he scribbled it, it he did it like so randomly and then like it was just one take and for us for people like us it's just like god just played keyboards for you <laughs> <laughs> well for us also it's like we listen to electronic music right and like i could probably make a beat in like uh, 20 minutes and give it to somebody who never never actually fucks with production and they're probably like this beat is so crazy whereas like for him he listens to like you know and does nothing but play piano so yeah for, for him he's probably like yeah meh but like for us some like who we aren't like super attuned to like what a good piano sounds like or how what good playing sounds like uh, to him, it's just like whatever, probably. But dude, there was this lady staying at his house um, called, named, um, I can't remember her name, but fuck, she was like, she was way more insane a piano. She was like a classical pianist and she had massive hands and she could like reach like 20 keys on the piano and she was doing all this insane shit. She she was really crazy. I got to figure out her name and send you a link later. It reminds me, it reminds me of something like the first time you came to my place. And then I saw you on Ableton and I remember sitting next to you and it was like, I saw you working and I was like, this is way out of my league. So I remember <laughs> telling you, dude, I'm just going to stay back here and I'm just going to let you work. I just want to learn. Like, I have no idea what's going on. It was just like, you were a machine back then. Like now you're even like, you're not even human. But like back then I remember looking at you working and it was like, how are you even human? Like I, I remember <laughs> you do it like working so quickly. And I think like the, the most impressive part was the how tuned your ear is to to like tuning because you do it so quickly and it's like 20 cents here, 15 cents there. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? Are you like, 
I'm trying to understand if you have like like a, a, like a superhuman hearing or something, or it's just something you developed along the years. Um, so I, I'm a believer of like mixed downs uh, pretty much fine if all of the arrangement is fine. And I've spent years like chasing my own tail trying to mix things that are out of tune with each other mm -hmm. and can never figure out why they're clashing. And so when I like started to figure out that if everything is just in tune and in phase, you don't really have to do much to it. And so I guess like I've just practiced that a lot and I can just like, instead of hearing that there's a mix problem at like 500 Hertz or whatever, I can just hear that two things are not playing the same note and that's why it's an issue. And so I just tune stuff a lot. But dude, even faster than me, I think is Erez. That guy is insane. I like watched him on Cubase once and he doesn't even touch the mouse. It's just all key commands. Yeah. It's crazy. He's just play, he plays live, man. I'm, I, I remember when I went to LA to, uh, to write a track with Infected, it was just unreal man unreal errors is like he's a magician man like he has this short shortcut for everything and it just like he writes so quickly and he's like yeah do you want to have a melody yeah man let me just play something real quick blah, 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 blah. and i'm like what the fuck did you do that man like how do you yeah do it's it? crazy like half of the melodies that you hear in in the albums you're like oh man that must have taken so long to program but now it's just him seconds. yeah it's just him playing it. it's fucking crazy yeah they, they, I think a lot of the magic is what they're doing afterwards, like the way they uh, process things. That's that's uh, yeah. a lot of the infected mushroom um, sort of like magic. But you, you made another track with them, right? For the last album? Yeah, and we just finished another one, which is going to really? go on my... Yeah, that one will be on my album, which is going to come up. Yay, that's good. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's not quite finished, but it's pretty close. Better than the last one? I didn't like the last one very much. I but know. I That's why I'm asking if it's better than the last one because it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's a lot better. Yeah, the one we did uh, the before that with you was sick. I like that one. That was a good one, man. That was a fun one. Like I was so happy we made it. Like I remember, I had to fly to LA to make it happen. You remember? It was <laughs> yeah, like I if I don't fly to LA right now, we're not having like this collaboration happening. And I was like, in my mind, saying like, there's no way. I like I've managed to connect this whole thing together and 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 it's not going to happen so I just flew down to LA and I was like I'm here guys let's finish this we have this <laughs> I'm also curious, like, why was I included on that tune? Because I remember you hitting me up going, like, let's make a tune with Infected. And, like, I hadn't spoken to you for a while at that point. I was like, why are you hitting me up for this? Why don't you just do it? Like... I'll tell you why. Because, um, first of all, I, I think of you as, like, one of the... I'm not saying this because you're in the room right now, wherever you are at the moment. Like, not because you're in front of me, but I actually, like, say this to people. You are def like in my 20 years of experience, you are definitely in the top three of like the best musicians I've ever came across in any genre, in any field, in any any way. And for me, it was just like, I remember I sent my second album to Infected and, and Duvdev listened to it and he was like, listen, this Shriatune, banging, love it. And I love Mr. Bill. And then my my head started spinning and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we connect my shit, Bill's shit, and Infected shit? Because I remember that you told me that you grew up on Infected Mushroom. So I knew yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that it would mean a lot to you. And, you know, we've been friends for ages. And, and, and I just, you know, like, you know, when you, when you have an opportunity and you want to take a good friend with you, in a way? 
And you yeah, also yeah, know that this friend is going to bring a lot to the table, obviously, otherwise you would never do that. But like, I knew that you were going to bring something to the table. I knew that it would make this whole collaboration weird because you're going to bring your vibe. I'm going to bring my vibe. They'll bring their vibe. And it's just, it felt like the right thing to me. And that's the reason I remember I called you up and I was like, you, I think you were working on a track with Dead Mouse back then, or you just like finished mm. the track with Dead Mouse or something like that. Yeah, it was around that time for sure. Yeah, and I was just like, dude, leave everything. I remember, like, I remember you told me you grew up on Infected Mushroom. We have a shot. Let's fucking do it. And we did it really quickly. I remember you sent me something after a day. I worked on it. I sent it to Duvdev, and they sent me something back after a week. And I just, you know, it's just like it's it's a memory for us to have. You know, now you've done like six tracks with them or five tracks, so it's like three now. Like in, three, including yeah, our one, this new one will be three. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice, but like I remember the first time I came back to my apartment in West Hollywood, and I I will never forget it. I I just like laid on the floor, left my phone aside, looked up to the ceiling, and I said, "We just made a track with our childhood heroes," and you know, it, it's these moments where you stop and you say thank you for for stuff that if i would tell you that would happen like 20 years ago you'd be like there's no way in, on earth that i would like collaborate with my childhood heroes you know what i mean mm. yeah so, totally yeah if you asked me that when i was 18 like am i gonna have a collab with infected mushroom i'd be like no fucking way you see so that that's that's just like it's these moments you know we don't appreciate because we're on the run all the time we're just like moving and it's like even for you i remember you told me about the track with dead mouse i was like wow man i don't even know what to say because like i grew up on dead mouse in a way from 20 from 2008 from faxing berlin and to see someone like one of my friends collaborate with them is just like it's the happiest feeling you know what i mean because it's it is big we can you know we can look at it from like uh you know we make fun of everything and we're like very sarcastic and we can like you know make fun of it in a way but it's just it's big in a way and and these moments are moments that we should appreciate and when they do happen i i, I try to leave all the sarcasm aside for a second and just be very grateful and if i can bring my friends along and like come up with a better um um with a better result then why the fuck not man the more the merrier yeah i feel that have you got any collabs going on at the moment with any big people you should do a collab with vinnie vici that'd be sick i did i did you did yeah, we did like, yeah, it's it's out. Um, we did it like during COVID, so you know it went through the like under the radar in a way. You know, it went over the one million and all that stuff, but like we did it in a in a in a time where no one wanted to listen to um, dance floor music. But uh, yeah, I did it. I'll be honest with you. I feel like I'm I'm sort of like at the edge of my. Uh, um, I, I'm pretty much happy with what i've achieved in the Cytron scene like i've worked with everyone from like vinnie vici Astrix, infected and like i'm i'm pretty much fed up i'm like happy with what with what i had so far and i decided in the last two years to just go to like other directions so i um but it's still like four four right like still a kick still, on every yeah definitely it's four four and it's still like i said psychedelic trippy um dance floor oriented music but um so it's like psytrance influence techno kind of exactly so i just yeah. did a like a, i've been you know i finished a remix i did for uh dusty kid and then and then my child my real childhood hero which is uh richie hot 
he played it like he opened his show like three of his shows with with the remix i did for that oh, wow. yeah it's balaton uh sound festival and um the one in barcelona which i don't remember a really really big one and another one and for me it was just like and then anna played it on bbc one weba played it victor ruiz and like a bunch of guys from the techno scene and you know it just made me happy because i play a lot of like dark techno and to be able to tap into a scene where no one knows who i am but just based on the music they're willing to like play my shit. then for me it's like opening a new door to a new place where i've never been to uh mm. so that's where i'm tapping into right now and i'm working with um i just finished i'm finishing an album with modus is a is a citrus artist from my from my label stereo society yeah uh, we, we have a track on that too right yeah 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 we have a track there as well and uh we're, we're working on it really hard and it's like psychedelic quirky weird funny sarcastic you know we're just trying to make fun of everything because i'm tired of like serious music and like blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like i'm I, i'm too sarcastic for that shit you know what i mean i just want to have fun nowadays but yeah i'm just what i'm trying to say is that i'm trying to open myself to as many different colors that i'm willing to play in my sets in a way but i'm i'm pretty much fed up with doing more regular like i've never been an artist to make like the regular citrons but i don't want i'm not I'm not chasing like another Cytron's record, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, I'm that very, makes sense. I love that scene and I love playing the Cytron scene and it, it's my home. But like the way it looks right now with like, there's a lot of music that I'm not feeling at the moment. Like a lot of it is stuff that I'm not fully connected with. There are like maybe 10 artists or like nine artists on the Cytron scenes that I the scene that I'm really, really connected to what they do. And like I would work with those people, but like the majority of how Cytron sounds nowadays is not uh, exactly my cup of tea. Mm. Have you made any house stuff like John Summit type stuff or any, anything like that? I feel like I that it. shit, dude, that I, shit at the moment, like Dom Dollar, like all that kind of stuff. I, I love that shit, dude. It's so sick. It's really good stuff. But again, I thought we, I think we had a conversation about it. What happens in the US, a lot of times, you know, it, it moves to like, you, you you can see it on big festivals in Europe and you see it in like uh, in London a lot of times, but it doesn't get here. Like in Israel, we don't come across that stuff like almost at all. Something about Israel is always like very psychedelic oriented. Like even the techno that gets here is usually psychedelic in a way. And I am drawn towards more either very psychedelic stuff doesn't matter what genre or stuff like fred again for me it's again it's just like i think he came up with something that is like completely fresh and makes it makes me like ask myself how how did he do something that sounds so simple yet so cool in a way you know yeah, like yeah. good songwriting yeah what do you yeah. think about him I think he's great. Yeah, I think he's a smart songwriter. Same with Skrillex. It's like they'll do something that you can hear didn't require a lot of like technical skill, but because the writing is so clean and the writing is so good, it sounds so fucking perfect and just like it's catchy. All the production sounds fine because everything's just in place. Like it's the right sound at the right time every time. And like, yeah, I think I think artists like that are just really smart songwriters more so than like really good producers. Have you seen what uh, what Skrillex said about Rumble with uh, Fortet? Mm, he, no, said what did he, Fortet say? he said that Fortet had a big, big, big role on Rumble because he 
made sure that they're not overproducing it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I've, yeah, him, Fortet, and, uh, and Freddie are like really good friends, it seems like. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Fortet's stuff has is, is got that vibe to it. Where, where yeah, that like... not, not overproduced vibe. And you can hear it on Rumble. Like, Rumble is really clean, simple, straight to the point. Not one sound that shouldn't be there. Not many layers. You know, like, I remember you, um, you basically rewrote the whole track, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just so, like I, I do that as an exercise a lot. Like if there's yeah, a track, great if there's thing. a track I hear and I'm like that's that's a really well produced, smart written track. I find if I like copy it and I make it, just as an exercise, it like helps me kind of figure out like what it is that makes that song work, and then I can like take that concept to my own stuff. What do you think worked um, on Rumble? Like like you just said, it's just really it's written in a really smart way. It's not overproduced. There's not many layers. That kind of yeah. It's just it's just clever like the writing is just clever i felt it throughout most of his new album actually like the yeah. one that he did with noisia the one we like what's his name supersonic you mean oh, no supersonic was it no the, the one did supersonic? With, the one that we that oh the one with oh the one with sleepnet yeah yeah with sleepnet yeah, yeah, yeah. tears oh my god yeah that's with with joker as well yeah again it's like really really smart really smart track so good like it's so well made and it's so it sounds i know it's not simple like it or it is but it's just it sounds so smart you know what i mean it's like let me show you how it's done straight to your face but like in an intelligent way and like with sounds that you've heard before but didn't like not in this specific way in a way you know what i mean mm. still it, it may it, it finds a way to make everything sound fresh yeah, totally. It's just, yeah, it's really good songwriting. I feel like electronic music as a whole has kind of like swung in a lot of different directions over the years. And I feel like overproduction and like going maximalist with everything is a direction in which it swung. And then, you know, after Skrillex, you had it swing all the way back to Flume, which kind of like just vibes, like straight vibes. And then you had to swing all the way back, like slowly to the overproduced bro step shit. And now it's sort of like coming back to somewhere between the overproduced shit and the vibe shit. It's like, I feel like it's a pendulum swinging that'll eventually like find itself in the middle. Um, pretty much probably like every genre does, you know, it's like back in the eighties and shit, it went full disco and everyone had weird hair and was yeah. making weird music. And then it went full fucking metal. And then it like, you know, it slowly finds the middle point in, in pop Yeah, and then rock and roll showed up and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where do you find yourself nowadays musically? Well, I feel like the same thing. I feel like I'm sort of a pendulum swinging where I like I went, I started like completely weird, and then I maybe went like too simple, and then like I'm slowly I think trying to find myself like somewhere in the middle of of all the things I enjoy. And I think you'll probably find that you'll do the same. Like you won't completely quit psytrance. You won't completely like maybe you'll go completely techno. Yeah, and you'll and come back that, and like find sure. yourself somewhere in the middle of I think techno. It's, and that, that's like a very important business decision to manifest to young artists. I always say to people like when I when I work on like really weird shit and then like some artist or a friend is like sitting in my studio and listens to it and he goes like it's good but it's really fucking weird like I'm not sure you can play it I'm not sure you can like release this and I always say like <laughs> it rules. doesn't even fucking matter it, all that matters is that you go too far to an uncharted territory and you find fruit you never found before and then like you eat that fruit for a while 
and you can like live off of that fruit for a while but then you go back to your childhood territory and you brought something even some of that fruit back with you and then you can incorporate it in your meals you know what i mean it's about going too far in order to bring something back and then make your new sound more unique in a way but you have to go far for a second like once in a while in order to like maintain freshness sort of yeah i agree with you and i i think like part of that exercise i was telling you about is like for that reason instead of like going to the uncharted territories in a way where i'm like i'm making something to play and something to release i'm just like i'm going out to uncharted territories and like trying to make something that i would never write before like a like a house tune or rumble remake rumble or something like that and then i'm able to bring something back from that yeah uh, so and I think that's a smart way to do it because then you feel like there's nothing on the line, you know, like you're not putting anything on the line yet you still get to explore. That that's that's the vibe. I wanted to ask you something because like a few days ago a friend of mine was here and I wanted to show him like a live live set of yours from from like YouTube, you know, you playing at a festival. Do you do you have a lot of those because I couldn't find I have, them? Um, I have two on my channel. I have one of me playing at Red Rocks, and then I have one that I actually set. a full set, yeah. Cool. And then I and I just put one up like last week or something, which is me and Chris uh, Killsmith playing together as Kill Bill at Infrasound like a month ago. So that would probably be the one to show him because that's the most yeah. current one. Yeah, that's that's usually like is it something you guys do a lot in your scene, like uploading full? Um, because in our scene, it's like it's a very common thing, you know, to like upload a full video of like. I think it's that, it's getting yeah. more common i think yeah it does help i think like people you know if they're going to make a decision to spend their money to come and see you or whatever they want to know that they're going to have a good time so i think if they can see sets beforehand and be like oh it's going to be something like that then they can maybe like decide more or easily or something yeah but yeah I, um i i remember you told me that you had a point where you didn't play the same track twice or something you remember that no no no. I, I don't i don't it's not that i don't play the same track twice but i don't play the same set twice yeah that, like, that one, yeah so yeah that, like I, I i rebuild the set every time it but it's still pre-recorded pre or like what do you mean no, no no it's not pre-recorded like i build it all in ableton and i like make a bunch of mashups of like many different tunes and then i make it like an hour long and then i render all the parts out so i can like mix them live or whatever but but you wouldn't play the same mashup twice. No, I make I make new ones every time. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot that of work. Is, why? I mean, you keep seeing different types of people. Then why would you like not make a good mashup? Play it for a season. We call it seasons in in the, in our scene. And then like that's it. You did it for a season, and then like you go, you know, you bring something new. But why change I, I, different crowds? Like, I mean, why why do that, you know? Why not let I mean, other people enjoy it as well? Yeah, I mean, I do sometimes, like, play the same thing, like, a couple of times or whatever, but it'll be in a different order. It'll be mixed with a different thing, and maybe there'll be, like, another layer over it or something like that. Um, so it's always, like, slightly different, but it's, like, derivative of the same, like, I don't know, 100 or 200 tracks that I like to play, you know? <laughs> How many in one set? Like, one, 100 or 200? Roughly, but but it's like at one at any point in the set there'll be like two or three playing. So at the same time, yeah, yeah. yeah we but do it'll... that as well. I do it as well. But like a hundred sounds extreme for one hour. So if you play three at a time, or even two at a, or yeah, three at a time, then that's like thirty mixes basically, right? Thirty tracks in an hour. 
but like yeah. 30. And then like, three. okay, so you play a main track. Like, let's say the way I do it is like, I have like four CDJs, okay? So I have a main track playing and then um, another track playing on top with like the lows down and like some of the mids out, whatever. And then another loop from another track and then everything is like being played together. That's what you mean when you say three tracks at the same time? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. So, it's, yeah, so it really, it, it kind of sounds like one. And then the mix between the three, because it's not as like simple as 4-4 uh, music, I think. Because a lot of 4-4 four, four music, like you can play it over the top of one another and it sounds okay. Whereas a lot of broken beat shit, there can be like kicks going everywhere and snares going everywhere. It's like really hard so to, to just like on the fly play three at once. So, so I produce it all and cut bits out and stuff that are fucking shit Do you up. Do like, it together or something? Or like compress everything? Uh, yeah, I do, but like, um, usually the, the mastering is just like a saturator on the group, which just clips the tops off. Hmm. So it's not really like mastering, it just kind of like stops well, it from more clipping. like limiting. Uh, just clipping. Like, yeah, I just, like, it just chops the tops yeah, off, yeah, so it's yeah. just a brick, yeah. So it's like one big sausage. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, the whole <laughs> set is just a giant sausage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the EDM sausage. You remember that time, like 10 years ago, the EDM sausage? Everything just looks like a fucking sausage, man. It's, it looks even worse these days, man. It's really? Yeah, totally. We're these days it's just backwards, like... man. We're going to like minus six, seven, five, you know? Like, I don't... Five is a brick, dude. For, like five lusts, that's like a... That's a chunky brick. No, it's like minus five on the RME. I don't know how much it is. Uh, yeah, five, negative five lusts is like pretty loud. No, minus. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Spotify is like minus fourteen lofts, no? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Minus five lofts is pretty loud. The fuck? Who? No one gets to minus five. I mean, I meant on the um, on on like RME. You know, like I have no idea how much it is in. I lofts. think I think you might. Yeah, you might be talking about um, what's that? Uh, RMS, not RMS. Not yeah, not lofts. Yeah. I have no, no, no idea no. how much it is in lofts. Yeah, I measure in lofts. I don't know why. Because just, because all you know like fucking YouTube and Spotify they're all in Lost they're not in in um, yeah I think so in RMS mm. hmm. that's yeah. cool yeah so what made you pick the name Freedom Fighters wow I was young stupid and that's it I was just fifteen bro when I met you know like I. I <laughs> We haven't we haven't done an introduction here because probably we don't need to. But like, man, I've never had a job. Like, I've never done anything else besides music. So I was just like, when I was fourteen, I came across a compilation called Freedom Fighters that came out in like the Cytron scene, and I just, I was like, oh, I just finished like I finished a few sketches. I need a name. What do I go with? And it was like, yeah, Freedom Fighters sounds good. Yeah, because and then it kind of connected because my name is Shahaf, which is basically uh, a seagull which is a bird and then like freedom and blah 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 and then like maybe i connected it in my That's head Apophenia right there dude yeah maybe probably <laughs> probably because i just like the name freedom fighters it sounded good because everything back then was psi something like psycraft psytech psydrop psy this and i was like i would rather die than be part <laughs> of that thing you know what i mean yeah, yeah. And for some reason, Freedom Fighters sounded good. It was like Freedom Fighters it just sounded <laughs> epic in a way. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. But it, it's been a long time, and it's just like since 
since 2005, I think, where I, when I chose the name. So that's like, it's been a fucking while. Jesus. I think if I could like rebrand, like if I could start again, I would have just made my name Bill Day, like just my actual name. You can still of, do that, man. I don't want to. It's going to be a pain in the ass to change everything. Yeah, but like <laughs> Mr. Bill is so fucking good, man. It's so condescending in a way. It's like Mr. Bill. It's like, I love it. <laughs> you know, it's like for me, it's a, it's a great name. But yeah, Bill Day. Dude, if I would have like not a non-Israeli name, then I would choose that. You know what I mean? But like having an Israeli name is such a pain in the ass because no your one. Your last can, name. You know, your one's pretty easy to pronounce. So it's just Efrat, right? Shut yeah, up, Efrat. So it's not. It's not that. But it's not. It doesn't roll. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't yeah, it feel does. natural. I think like, so. like, dude, it's not like Bill Day. You, you sound like a 007 agent, bro. That's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, you cannot compare it. It's not on True. the same level. Yeah. <laughs> you um I wanted to ask you for a while now. Do you miss Australia? Not really, man. I mean, so for the first year that I lived in America, I did. And then I went back to Australia for some shows and I was like, "Eh, it's not really my vibe." And then I went back to America and then I missed it again, so I went back to Australia the next year and I was like, "I fucking hate this place." Really? And then I, yeah, I mean, I I don't know, like my life there is not that good. My life here is much better. For a visitor, you know, like who's just staying in hotels and playing shows and hanging out in the cities and eating the food and all that stuff. Australia's probably amazing. But my particular life there, I don't really enjoy. Yeah, I remember you told me about it. I'm just like, I'll be honest, man. Like every time I get to Melbourne, like I'm, I'm going back in October and I'm like, I'm waiting for it, you know, like it's just. Melbourne is cool. I, that's where I lived the last like six months I lived in Australia. And Melbourne is really cool. I lived in the city and I was, that, that was a good time. But in general, like when I go back now and I don't have, like if I went back to Australia and I, and I like lived in Melbourne, I'd probably enjoy it. But um, yeah, just, I don't know, like my current situation there is. Yeah, like, yeah, I understand. You, um... But, um, I will say also when I live there, I find it hard to like pay for shit because like there's no real like I, I don't get many shows there you know my music is not really big there whereas when I'm here like you know I make a lot of money I can live really comfortably I like just bought a house you know like it's like my life here is just 10 15 times better yeah. are you um do you think you have a better social life there or in Australia now probably here um but obviously I, I probably have more friends in Australia but um I I never really like hung out with them anyway when I was in Australia because I lived in like uh like an hour and a bit north of Sydney so I was like never really fucking hate that place man Sydney I don't know why I don't hate it but I don't love it like I get there and everything feels fake in a way like over so it's a very commercial uh, like, business yeah, and, I get there and, I'm like, Ugh. and like you go to Melbourne and it's like more hippie and it's nice and there's a lot of art and it reminds me more of tel aviv and like L mm. la to some extent but like i go to sydney and it's like i don't get the vibe man i don't the get culture it. the culture is better in melbourne for sure but sydney like there's the best beaches in the world there that's the cool thing about sydney basically if you're super don't into buy beaches in uh, in sydney yeah. Mm. yeah yeah melbourne i think like the sydney has better weather too i think like the weather in Melbourne is like cold or extremely yeah. hot. In Sydney, they it's just call like, it they call it the Four Seasons City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy, dude. I've like experienced some of the coldest winters in Melbourne. It's like, cause like I lived in Denver too. And I lived in Denver when it was sometimes like negative 20 degrees Celsius. And I think it was worse in Melbourne because no one is set up for the cold there. Like yeah, no one yeah. has insulation in their walls or anything. Whereas in Denver, everyone's house is like fully insulated. It's got crazy heating so you can deal with it. Man, I see a bunch of like analog stuff behind you. What, what happened, Bill? <laughs> yeah, I came to your house. <laughs> Every time you come back from my place, you yeah, just like go on a shopping spree and like buy things. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I figured like, you know, sometimes I like you made a good point, which is like, if you just want the sound of that synth, just buy the fucking synth. Like no analog emulation plugin is like going to be the exact same. And it has a different vibe to it, you know, like it's, Playing with a plugin will inspire me to do completely different things than playing with a hardware synth. So I, um, I did a bit of shopping or like a bit of uh, research and I was like, all right, like I just want to get like the bare minimum. So I was like, I want like something that's very, very analog sounding like old. And then I want something that's very functional, but also like has analog filters and stuff. So I got the Polybrute for that. And then the old sounding one, I got the OB6. The OB6 crazy good it's so sick dude like crazy it, I, good. the polyand is good it. as well that you have there the tracker yeah the tracker yeah i also have the the play as well this one which is like Ooh. this one's more like a step sequencer and the other one's a you... tracker which runs all downwards yeah it's a sequencer um, basically yeah 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 i just and bought then... a new one i brought a new one that you should need you wait three years to get it it's called the circlon yeah. all the techno yeah circlon all the techno guys use it it's a sequencer it's a sequencer and you need to wait for like two or three years before you like you can purchase purchase it um so they have a waiting cool. list yeah i haven't connected it yet because i bought a jupiter 4 and like a bunch of other stuff for my studio so i'm gonna like take everything out and then like rebuild it again oh no you can I get a used man. you can get a used uh circlon for like 2500 off reverb you found it now no but which one one or two uh v1 no 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 this is two the two one is oh, like no wait. you can you can get two um four, but it's four grand maybe 3400 yeah okay uh, you know how much it costs when you wait for it 1800 oh shit okay yeah so that's like twice the price yeah that's also true but three years dude yeah um, I, I waited the, three years yeah the other thing this my friend lent me this but i really like it is the um electron analog heat have you used that yeah, I know it. It's like a hardware distortion. It's yeah, good, man. Yeah. Like I, I run my masters through it now. Really? And yeah, it's kind of like the culture vulture, I feel like, but maybe not quite quite as good. But it's it's like different. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like the sound of it. I feel like it, it gives the track like or whatever you put through it like more presence, but it doesn't actually add volume. So like like, uh, like the culture vulture. Yeah, right. Like peak level is the yeah. same, but like it just sounds louder. I just love what the culture vulture does. It's just like it's a it's magic. Like I've never found anything remotely close to it um, via you know like VSTs or you know just any. There's a there's a culture vulture VST. Um, yeah, it sounds like. Right. Have, do you have it? I had it. Like I did like tests with Pixel on it, and it not it's not even remotely close to. Um, I'd be curious to hear the difference if you can like send me some differences like with the exact same settings on both because I, I watched a video recently of this dude doing a um do you know the 500 series like the lunchbox eqs and all yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff like the api shit mm -hmm. um so he did a test between the hardware version of that and the plugin and he's like going between them an EQ. 
uh, it was like a few different things, like a compressor and EQ, like a yeah, not but a that, distortion. that you can remodel that very easily. EQs and these yeah. and, and, and EQs and compressors are like a waste of money to buy um, out gear, like an outboard, if you ask me. Distortions that it ba that's based on on um, it's like non-linear. Yeah, there's no way to do it, man. No way. It's yeah, like yeah. electricity electricity running through um, what's it called? Forgot. A tube. Yeah, like a tube, exactly. So there's no, like, I don't think they've managed to do something in this level yet. Maybe one yeah. day, but now. I, I, yeah, it's like they got to figure out, like, the certain flavor of random number generation to yeah, be able to do it. It's, it's, like... it's very hard to remodel it, but um, probably, you know, now with AI and everything, then I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll get to it at some point. Yeah, do dude, you, I've been, do I've you been use using. It? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You, so you to use it. I've been using it a lot for sound generation. So I feed it like a thousand bases that sound a certain way. And mm -hmm. then I train the model for like four or five hours. And then I can just like, I have models now to just generate bases for me. I Like I barely do sound design anymore. Really? I yeah, I don't have to. I just have models now that generate most of my sounds. I'll send you some after this call. That They're is fucking like really good sounds. Yeah, it's really sick. Uh, yeah, I could like train them. Like, do you tell them what you want, or like, how does it? No, no, work? no. You train a model on sound. So, like, for instance, do you have like folders of Psytrance kicks? You could probably mm -hmm. like if you if you sent me like a ton of Psytrance kicks, I could train a model on those kicks, and then I could just generate like a million more, and they would all sound like different flavors of those kicks that I was trained on. If I'll send you a bunch of like hard techno tracks that I really want to know how they made the sound design, can you like teach the the model to come up with something like that? If you have like the kicks, yeah. Interesting. Or like if you have the sounds as samples and you have like folders of those sounds, then yeah, I can train a model on how to just make those. Where do you think it's gonna end? Like at some point it's gonna be, you know, like man versus machine. And like, I think the only thing that um, humans can like do better than machines is like to feel obviously then what what do you think is like that meeting point where we'll be like a lot of people are going to use ai to make music and like it's going to send a lot of people to make music that is based on like their emotion because that's the only thing that you cannot teach a machine probably or i don't know like where do you see where do you see this going this whole ai versus electronic yeah music? so i have a theory like okay so for you to get how good you are at music right now it's taken you 20 years right and for like, you know, Bill Gates to get as good as he is at coding now, it's taken him like 50 years. But all of a sudden, if it takes me one day to be as good of a musician as you, one day to be as good as a programmer as Bill Gates, one day to be as good as a 3D visual artist as Beeple, then all of a sudden I have like all the skill sets in the world at my disposal and I can combine them in any way that I want to make crazy shit. The Matrix. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose. And I feel like um, at that point, like the combinations of things that people make are just going to be like insane for a while. And then AI will just be able to make the combinations too, probably. But I think like what art is, right, is it's like more not doing things than doing things. Like if you do everything in the world in art, it becomes white noise. But it's like what you choose not to do, I think, that, that makes it like your art and all that stuff. And also another point is like how often do you hear like a piece of music that you wouldn't change anything about? To me, it's like rare. I barely ever right. hear music. Like, yeah. yeah, so if, even if you have music generating everything off every piece of music or whatever, there's still shit that I'll be like, I don't want that, I don't want that, I want to add this other thing, like all this kind of shit. So like I, I, I never think AI will be able to like 
it'll be able to generate like replications of your stuff that already exists, but it won't be able to create new shit and it probably won't sound as genuine, I don't think, at least in its current state, but who knows. Yeah, but I imagine how like you can see how fast it progresses. I don't know what's going to happen in five years. It's going to be bananas. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it doesn't kill everyone, but we'll see. Yeah. Sick. Well, hey, man, thanks for doing this podcast with me. It's really good to catch up and chat. And yeah, I appreciate always. you giving me the time of day. And thank you for inviting me. I had a great time as always. And it's funny, it didn't feel like any podcast or anything. It just felt like us having a normal Bill Shahaf conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, that's how I like to podcast to be is just normal, you know, just recording a conversation, nothing like interviewee about it or anything. Nah, fuck that shit, man. I think that's what, what people like too. They like to hear two people just like shooting the shit and talking, talking how shit. Many, uh, how many people have you had so far? This would be like episode 115 or 120 or something. So I've got a bunch now. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Are they all on YouTube? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Cool, I'm going to check yeah. it out. All on Apple Podcasts, all on Spotify Podcasts, etc. I just did one with um, Infected actually like two days really? ago. Really? Yeah, that'll be out on like Thursday. And then I think our one will be out on the following Thursday. Amazing, I'm going to watch that as well. I wanted to okay. watch the one you did with... Uh... That guy that has all the, I'm following him on, on, on Instagram. That guy Richard that has Devine. all Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God. Dude, I, I, pass, I passed out in that interview and cracked my head open. What? Yeah, he like told me this story about a heart surgery that he had and it freaked me out and I just fell off my chair and cracked the back of my head open and I had to stop the podcast. Is it on camera? Yeah, it's on the podcast. <gasps> Ouch, Bill. Yeah, it's wild. Oh my God, I'm going to watch it. So happy you didn't <laughs> die. I'm so happy you didn't die in the last few years, really. Yeah, me too, dude. That could have been, could have been <laughs> bad. Yeah, here, check this out. Like, here, ready? Watch this. Um, if I go share my screen. Dude, the fucking... Uh, there we go. All right, let's uh, share. Wait. Window... Yeah, this. I woke up to this. Wait, is it not? Oh, what the fuck, dude? Clicking on anything down here on this bar is really tricky. What is this Riverside thing? Is it? I've never even heard of it. Um, it's basically. Uh, is that working? Yeah, nice. It, it's basically a podcasting app, and it like records your video and your audio locally on your end. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I woke, like, I passed out, and then I woke up to this on the floor. Oh, like, oh. Yeah. Ouch. Is there a video of it? Like, pass. Hmm. I don't know where it is, but like, yeah, there's a there's a video somewhere of me just like passing out and then like cracking the back of my head open. I'm waking up and being like, "Fuck! All right, I gotta go to the hospital." No way. Just because he told you a story about what happened to him. Yeah, it's called vasovagal syncope, like where you see blood and freak out or where like somebody tells you a story and it makes you pass out and I, I suffer from it pretty bad. Oh, it sounded it sounded like human centipede, but it's not. <laughs> uh, not human centipede, but close. <laughs> For some reason, I don't really freak out at movies, but like I freak out about like surgery shit. Like really? if somebody like, yeah, if somebody tells me about a surgery or like I have to go get a surgery or something, like I f just freak the fuck out. I, I think my brother has the same thing. You know, he cannot see blood. Like every time you talk to him about blood or like he cannot see blood, he like 
gets to a point where it's like, ah, no, thank you, I'm off. But yeah. you get to the next level, my friend. <laughs> yeah. But you were sitting down. I was sitting down and I just passed out sitting down and fell off my chair and like banged my head on the floor. That is not, not ouch. Okay. And and what, what did he do? Like Richard just stayed there and he was like, Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> no, Bill. so he didn't. Oh, yeah, I found the movie. Hold, uh, yeah, one sec. Here, let's watch it. <laughs> oh, I got it. Would pay on, to be on. there. Yeah, here, hold on. I'll, uh, I'll share it and we can watch it. Um, yeah, you can see what he does here. Uh, right, can you see this? Yeah. Can you hear the audio? No. Wait, did you say yes or no? I said no. Okay, well, don't worry about the audio, but like, um, here, I'll just like... Fuck the audio, it's it okay, never mind, I just want to see it. Yeah, so you can see I'm getting like sick here while he's telling yeah. me this story, and then check this out, I pass out, like you can see me pass out right here. And then watch, I just like... Can barely get up, I'm like trying to get up and continue the conversation. But like, you can see my eyes are just fucking dead. Oh my dead. god! Yeah, I'm like just wigging out. When was it? Uh, this was a few years ago. It was before I was addicted to drugs. Okay, yeah, that's just what I wanted to ask. Okay. Yeah, and then check it out. I just fall over and just like bang my head on the floor, and he's just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he thought I was like fucking around or something, and then he's just like still telling this story for like ten minutes, man. Oh and my then, like, God. yeah, and then, like, I finally get up and go, like, what the fuck? And I'm all, like, wigged out and, like, can barely fucking get up and shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I, like, wake up and I, like, see the blood and I'm like, oh, fuck, this isn't good. <laughs> like, yeah, and then I just went, wow. like, like, I was just passing out on the floor and then I, like, laid in my bed for a while and then i came back with a towel and i was like i gotta Dude, stop he's this not, podcast. He like he's not there like he doesn't understand what ha you told him what happened at some point yeah but i mean it's such a crazy thing to tell someone right like i just passed wow. out and split my head open i gotta go now to the hospital they're like wait what <laughs> like like springing that information yeah and you guys are not like best friends or something you just like it yeah feels exactly so yeah, yeah he might he might think that it's just like you know me like uh my sense of humor or something you know yeah. yeah wow so he... that is fucking weird man this is it wouldn't happen to anyone in the world besides you yeah i know dude but yeah <laughs> this, this story that he told me was crazy like about the heart surgery that he had it was fucking freaky nice he's a he's, he's a very very unique individual i would love to see it i'm gonna watch the episode right now nice cool all yeah. right dude well hey man, man thank you I for having me up. Love you nice. very much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, dude. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Have a good one. Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, mrbillstunes.com, and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes, or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat, upper deck your toilet, and fuck your partner. Note, I may or may not do those last couple of things. Uh, you should probably just go rate it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast. Um, but but just know that, that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that. So uh, just, just putting that out there.